it all comes back to the customer and what the customer behavior is, you know, what, what influencers they pay attention to. And I don't necessarily mean, um, you know, Instagram influencers, but. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Accelerator Podcast. Or if it's your first time listening, welcome. We are your hosts. I'm Stephen Mather. And I'm Sophie Hosbein. This summer, we will be following the journey of eight student startups as they walk towards launching the companies in this year's CIE Summer Accelerator. But with Demo Day on the horizon, we'll leave our rising founders to walk on their companies while we share key insights and advice from incredible mentors and experts on what it takes to build a startup. And in today's episode, we've got some great insights for you directly from entrepreneurship professor Lynn Metcalf. Hi, Lynn. Thank you so much for being with us on the podcast today. Hey, Sophie. It's nice to be here with you. Awesome. Yeah. So we want to start off with a little bit about your background. So before you came to Cal Poly, tell us about some of the research and some of the um, things you worked on at other universities. So I came to Cal Poly straight out of my PhD program at the University of South Carolina. So I wasn't working anywhere before <laughs> I came to Cal Poly. But while I've uh, been at Cal Poly, I took two leaves of absence. One was to teach and work for a year in France. So I was in Paris and both Lyon. And then I took a five-year leave of absence and worked for Philips Electronics at a development center, which we would now call um, an internal incubator up in Silicon Valley. So I was in Stanford Research Park and my role there was actually to, um, to uh, build relationships in the university community. So primarily with um, Cal and Stanford and MIT and look at some of the technologies that they were working on and how those might dovetail with the projects um, that we were working on in the, in the incubator. So um, I did that for a while and then uh, rejoined the faculty at, at, in the College of Business. Yeah, so when you rejoined, um, we joined Cal Poly, how did you originally get involved with the CIE? So I was chair of the marketing area at the same time that Lou Ternotsky was chair of industrial technology and packaging. And um, Lou was charged by the dean that was uh, then in place, Dave Christie, to uh, build out a program in entrepreneurship. So he recruited our first uh, faculty member in entrepreneurship, and that happened to be John York. And so I've been kind of a supporter, I shouldn't say kind of, I've been a key supporter of uh, uh, the efforts to build entrepreneurship at Cal Poly really since its inception. That's super cool. and. I'm I'm actually curious to to learn more about how entrepreneurship at Cal Poly has evolved because there's been so many cool stories. So are there any stories that you can tell that you've that kind of stand out as something that people might not have known about the older days of Cal Poly entrepreneurship? Well, it's not all that ancient history. <laughs> Still kind of a, a new endeavor, right? So entrepreneurship at Cal Poly has been, uh, well, John started to build the program about 10 years ago when he arrived, and he was the only one teaching anything. So if you were in the entrepreneurship concentration, you had 
pretty much every class with John York. So he really got to know the cohort well, and and um, a lot of those people also um, formed um, uh, businesses and applied to the first hatchery program and and uh, summer accelerator and and so forth. I guess the summer accelerator preceded the hatchery. So John really did do everything on the academic side. And he also then with Lou Ternotsky proposed um, the, the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, built relationships across the university. So it's a university-wide center that has support from all six colleges. Um, got that proposal approved by the academic senate and, um, you know, and started to build programs. Uh, one at a time. So, at any rate, I don't. I don't know that there are any hidden skeletons or fascinating stories beyond that. But just you know, the amount of when you look at at the amount uh, or the number of programs that that uh, were started and and um, and that have grown and continue to grow. You know, so so as those programs have grown and continue to grow, then we've brought on additional people to help help run. But everything that you pretty much see, the, the seeds were sown by both Lou and John initially, and then John uh, moving forward. That's super cool. That's that's definitely a little more than what, what I knew before. So th <laughs> thank you for that. And then I've also heard that you've contributed a lot to a variety of research projects. So uh, is there any projects that stand out in your mind as favorites or anything there that just is really memorable that you could share with us? Well, sure. So um, one of the things that I do for the CIE is I'm uh, head up the, uh, the, the CIE Faculty Fellows Program. And that program is really intended to engage faculty from across the university um, with the CIE and help build bridges from their colleges into um, the CIE. So they inspire students to join. And one of the uh, the wonderful things, so the group now compri comprises about 24 uh, faculty. And one of the wonderful things that comes out of a community when you create a community like we've done is people start talking about interesting ways to collaborate. Oh, maybe we could develop a course together. Maybe we could work on a research project together. So um, one of the most uh, productive collaborations has been with David Askey over in the uh, College of Liberal Arts. He teaches communication studies. But we've developed a course together called Solving Big World Challenges. And um, I don't know, it's, at some point, we got approached by um, the founder of Unanimous AI, which is an artificial intelligence tool, a swarm artificial intelligence tool. And um, we started to do some research around uh, the use of that tool to, in collaborative decision-making. And um, we had a piece published in the California Management Review last year on, on that work. So that's been the most recent and and the most related to the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. Although I'll say that um, John York and Tom Katona and I also worked on um, understanding uh, the role that university um, ex startup accelerators play on college campuses. So that's another piece of work that we've done. And um, 
so while our key question was, are, are summer accelerators, are they intended to be kind of startup engines or are they intended to be an extension of the university's educational mission? And most universities view them as extensions of their educational mission. And, and while, you know, building interesting startups is, is also a factor in there that really primarily they're looking at them as extensions of, of education. Wow, interesting, because we've, we've talked a lot about um, specific, the specific accelerator teams and kind of the, the process they go through um, and kind of the phases of starting their business, but a lot, not a lot about kind of the broad backing behind the accelerator or kind of the, the overarching idea that supports it. So, so how, how is that kind of extension of education um, weaved into what the accelerator does kind of on a, day, on a daily basis? Well, so, um, you know, s students or former students are in the summer accelerator learning to be better entrepreneurs. So they're learning about customer discovery and they're learning about business models. So a lot of the teams that are in, uh, in the summer accelerator have never taken a business course, have never taken an introduction to entrepreneurship. And so, you know, they're, they're learning all of, all of that. They're learning all of the building blocks and, and all of the tools and, and processes that an entrepreneur employs to, to find a, a problem worth solving and to build a solution that, that somebody wants to buy. Mm -hmm. Switching gears a little bit um, back, back towards our accelerator teams, we're almost near the halfway point. So they are kind of shifting from a focus on customer development to more go to market strategy and product development. Um, so in your experience walking, walking with teams in the past, um, how, how can you build a really solid go to market strategy and, and kind of walk towards the right direction in that area? Yeah, well, so the two are really related. And so that's what I've been talking about with the teams about yesterday and today is that the customer discovery process includes discovery, uh, discovering, um, you know, how people find out about new products and services. So typical status quo is you're just going on living your life, not knowing that you need or want anything, right? And you might have a problem, it might be an inconvenience, but something gets you out of that status quo. Um, either, you know, you read something, you hear from somebody about something. So one of the key processes in customer discovery is to learn how people hear about, um, you know, do they go to conferences? Do they, uh, you know, what is it that they read? Who, what experts do they follow? Who do they talk to? Is it a LinkedIn group? So you start to ask questions and understand how people learn about um, new products and services that they they purchase. And, you know, that helps inform your go-to-market strategy. It tells you where you should be present, how you should be talking to people. And, and, um, and by talking, it could mean face-to-face -face, or it could mean just where, what communications are you putting out through, through which channels. So I see it as an evolution of the customer discovery process, your go-to-market strategy really comes out of that. That's interesting. And as you're creating a go-to-market strategy and as you've been advising the teams on doing so, um, are there any common mistakes that you see 
that you see startups making during this process or anything that you would advise them to avoid doing too little or too much of? Well, so I think sometimes the tendency is to think that the tools that you use as an individual are, are the tools that everybody <laughs> uses to find out about things. And so even if if you're using Instagram for your personal use, that isn't necessarily the way a business would use Instagram, right? And so I think there's a learning process there um, where you're transitioning from using tools as a consumer um, or as a way to connect with with friends or family um, and using those tools in a in a business context to support the development of a business. So, um, so that's one one key mistake. Uh, or because everybody, you know, so and so's on f advertising through Facebook. I just had this conversation today. You know, is that really where your customers are? And and the question and the answer was yes. In fact, there are lots of Facebook groups um, with um, you know healthcare professionals affiliated with them. So great, then that's where you should be. But for a lot of businesses, Facebook isn't a factor and that's not where they should be. So it's good to know. I, I love hearing that perspective. And as as someone is starting to produce a go-to market strategy and starting to to look into this process, is there any advice you could offer as far as like a good place to begin? Uh, you start where your customers are. So you, yeah, you start with where they go, what they read. Um, yeah, so as it all comes back to the customer and what the customer behavior is. You know what what influencers they pay attention to, and I don't necessarily mean um, you know Instagram <laughs> influencers. But, you know, what are the experts they're paying attention to and where are they, yeah, where are they present so that you can introduce inter information into those channels and be present in those channels? Uh, yeah, that brings up the old phrase, go where your customers are. Instead of assuming that they're in one place, um, figure out kind of what where they actually spend most of their time. So... To, to dig a little deeper into that, teams that you've, a successful accelerator teams um, that have already kind of moved on and graduated from the accelerator, um, do you think there's a golden thread or kind of a, a link between a lot of them in, in how, they, how they approached bringing their, their product to market and actually having someone give them money for the first time? I, I mean, there's been such a range. I just... Um... Yeah, I mean, when I look at specific examples, it's really been about knowing from from Sydney with Deoro devices. It's about you know um, her relationship with a specific person and understanding that person's needs and understanding how to reach other people like that person um, and building out from there. And same with Haley, you know, just an a a. An, a with passion footwear, um, a very deep understanding of, of, of who her tribe is and how to connect with them. So that's the common thread. Indeed. For students listening to this, who maybe aren't part of the accelerator, um, but are looking to stay plugged in over the summer, what resources or books or maybe other podcasts 
Um, do you recommend f- to, to kind of for those students who who want who want to learn more about customer development or go to market strategy or kind of anything that the accelerator teams do, kind of? Yeah. So one podcast I love is how I built this. I I just you know I find that really compelling, um, and it it seems that. Um, you know, that media, that form of media is more compelling than maybe books. Um, So, you know, I mean, we have typical tool set of of, uh, books that we recommend everywhere from the mom test to um, need finding. Um, So I think you find inspiration in things that interest you. So, um, yeah. So finding things that interest you and then and reading up on those. So finding people that interest you or topics that interest you and reading up on those are are important. So you've put together a really nice uh, list of resources. I certainly have a list of Goodreads that we've published out through um, Cal Poly Entrepreneurs that we publish out through our um, Building a Startup Skillset course, but there's no one set of tools. So if you're interested in sales, there's a whole set of resources there from books by uh, Spin Selling is a great one. And so by Neil Rackham. So, you know, finding the topic that you're interested in or the skill set that you're interested in building out and then, you know, re- or or finding stories that inspire you of other entrepreneurs. So it depends on where the person is in, in, in terms of what they're wanting to learn. That definitely makes sense. I've, I've heard the saying that there's opportunity everywhere, but you only know how to recognize it if you know what you're looking for. So as we wrap up, is there any general advice that you would give perhaps to your college self Um, or any life advice that's really stuck with you through the years? Well, you know, so I guess it ties in with something that you just said. So, so sometimes I think inspiration comes from because you network broadly. So what I would say to my, my college self is to be curious about just about everything. Um, Yeah. So a curious person who is interested in many things will go to many different forums, will meet many different kinds of people, will ask interesting questions, will read up on those topics and connect them all together in really interesting ways. Um, And so I think that that um, that that's how inspiration and and uh, and opportunities uh, come sometimes. I love that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of my favorite perspectives that I've heard, which it now makes me curious. What are your thoughts on uh, that old saying? I, I forget the full version, but basically the, the full saying that it's better to be a jack of all trades um, than a master of one. There's, there's definitely a longer version that I'm, I'm definitely blanking on. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I read somewhere that a jack of all trades is actually um, misunderstood as, you know, someone that ha- only has surface knowledge of many things. But in fact, a jack of all trades has a pretty 
deep understanding of many different things. And, and so I do think that people who find the most interesting opportunities, those opportunities live at the intersection of, of many different uh, disciplines and fields. And so the more broadly exposed you are, then, then the greater the opportunity um, that you'll come up with something that is, is really groundbreaking. So, and those are the hallmarks of, of great entrepreneurs. I mean, there's four skill sets that they ask great questions, they network broadly, they're curious about a lot of things and, and, uh, and can form those connections across, across disciplines and across uh, fields or find inspiration in nature. I mean, you know, that's, that's a, a big deal right now, biomimicry, you know, how does nature solve this problem, right? Or... Mm -hmm. Those are four great areas um, for kind of us, Stephen and I, as well as um, listeners and any entrepreneurship students to kind of focus on. So we want to thank you so much um, for kind of being here with us and, and, for, and for spreading some, some of kind of your, your great advice. Thanks, Sophie. I really appreciate being here. Thank you, Stephen. It's been a nice to meet you and great to talk with both of you.